Abacab sounds a lot like. Well, speaking of turn it on again in Abacab, that was the song I lost my virginity to. No, no, Abacab. Really? Yes. Wow. To a girl that had a birth defect. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. And look, I know Abacab is six minutes and fifty-eight seconds. I can tell you that much. But it was old school record players where you could get the song to play again. That's right. All right. So I like it. I three times, three songs. You know what? I want to say. Lasted, but I don't think I lasted to the end of the song. If it was my first time, nah, I know you didn't. Impossible. Uh, yeah, about, I think what, that's impossible. What about you? Do you know yours, Cuban man? My, the first your virginity record. I yeah. paid for it. That's the song. Oh, you mean the song? I yeah. paid for it. Yeah. Was that the song? <laughs> what band is that? Was, uh, I don't know. I was, paid uh, for it. Was va- this uh, this band called Material Issue? Ooh, uh, Valerie. The name of the song was. I was at some fucking weirdo Nirvana dude's house. Okay, not Steve Winwood's. I was going to say Valerie. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's a great song. Material issue. Good band. One Mitch, song. All right, I like it. All right. All right. Mine's Earth, Wind, and Fire. She after was the love a is fucking. Gone. After the loving's gone. After love is gone. Earth, Wind, and Fire. That might be the best one. Uh, that was, you know, my, yeah. we, same thing. We just kept. We used to just stack all the soul records where they would just play one after another right. and but, hope you made it to the end. Yeah, I lost my virginity to a girl that had a birth defect. I mean. You know, from like when you look at her, like I, you, I'm looking at you, she was beautiful. Everything was all right, but then, uh, well, then when I went for the doggy, there was a uh, there was a dark dark tail of hair that went from the her neck all the way down to her uh, oh wow butthole really right in the middle, almost like it was a horse, like oh. a Rhodesian ridge. I don't know what the fuck it was. It was dark and uh, and it's prominent. Not a defect. I got thirty stories like that with fucking girls. A, a, a line all Go the way the down. Caribbean. It's like a hyena farm down there. <laughs> I thought there was something wrong with her. Like she had a fake leg or something. We we talked about this on the air for years, me and Anthony. That's nothing. You, you was, just described half of my half of Cuba. <laughs> it's not hair all over the back. It no, was just yeah, one line of hair yeah. from the back of her neck all the way down to... We used to call them gators. This episode sponsored by HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash OP65 and use code OP65 for 65% off plus free shipping. There we are. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to my live stream. We are live from New York City, 500 feet above uh, the streets of Manhattan. And uh, you're looking to the uh, to the east. The sun is coming up. Uh, so good morning to everybody and welcome. And uh, let's do this. A little zen. A little zen in the morning and a little cheers. Uh, yeah, it's been really cold and rainy. Which is weird because uh, where's Indian summer? Are you allowed to say that? Where's my Indian summer? And can you call it Indian summer? You can call it whatever you want. And I I continue to to call things the way I see it. You know, to me, it's Columbus Day because that's how it's been my entire life. Uh, To me, it's Bruce Jenner because that's how it's been my entire life. You know, you got to give us some time to catch up. If you're going to change things around. Uh, I was just listening to the recap of your old sperm bowl bit. Oh, my God. Really? 
That was one of the greatest uh, bits me and Anthony did up there in Boston anyway. One day we went on the air. We're like, let's see who has more swimmies. So we made this bit called Sperm Bowl. And we legit went down the hall and did the deed in a bathroom. Brought it back to the studio. Took turns, obviously. And then we handed it to a, a, a doctor. A doctor, excuse me, a fertility doctor. And then we got the results, uh, I don't know, a few days later. I don't even know if the guy was a doctor. You know, when you do these radio stunts, people call up and volunteer. And we just assume, oh, you're a doctor? Yeah, I'm a doctor. Okay, then you're our guy. Uh, I think Anthony won that one. But to be fair, I don't know what he did the night before. But I know I wasn't following the rules the night before. Which they say will knock down your number. (laughs) Jesus. But we did this on the radio with people working in an office. They knew we were going into a bathroom. You want to talk about an HR nightmare. Uh, But back then there were no human resources, man. You got to do whatever the hell you wanted. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Um, But that was definitely one of the top bits we did up there in Boston. Then obviously the biggest one was uh, the April Fool's prank announcing to the city of Boston that the mayor lost his life in a car accident. And then uh, I'm trying to think what other bits we would put up there. Oh, we would have to put uh, WOW up there. That's where WOW started. Whip them out Wednesday. So that's three big ones for Boston alone. Let me see if I could finish this list. And then we did a fake Pearl Jam um, concert. That was the that was the April Fool's prank I think we did the year prior to the mayor's prank where we announced that Pearl Jam was doing a secret show on the outskirts of Boston and um, the name of the bar was called Larky's. That's right. Oh my god, I haven't thought about this in a while. And everyone's calling up, where the hell is this Larky's? And we pinpointing pinpointed it to this kind of area and then everybody started showing up to this area trying to find this bar Larky's for this secret Pearl Jam show. And we absolutely had the, the state troopers, state police up there, Massachusetts, calling us, pretty much telling us to knock it off because the area is swarmed with people trying to find this, uh, this secret Pearl Jam show. That's when we had like a massive radio audience that uh, would, would just go with everything we did. It was unbelievable. I am bailing. <laughs> Gonna puke out my Cheerios too early for sperm stories. You eat Cheerios. That's what I'm laughing at. <laughs> Cheerios always stunk. We had a lot of Cheerios in our house, but it was it was the um, the no frills brand, and we would just drown it in sugar because we knew how much it just sucked. So at that point, we might as, might as well have eaten uh, Frosted Flakes. We drowned everything with the damn sugar. Don't delete my comments. I wanted to ask Ope which October was the most enjoyed. I, I'm, we're not deleting your comments. It's all good. I, I just don't remember all the specific shows. I think the best one for me was, but it was more because of a personal thing, when they handed me a show... Um, a couple guys out of Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm listening to these guys, and all of a sudden, I I, uh, I tapped out. 
And they're, everyone's all confused, like, why are you tapping out? You love this stuff. The Jacktober stuff was definitely um, a month of radio where I would say we were all on the same page. Yeah, so Jacktober was fun because I think, I think we pushed a lot of the bullshit to the side and really, really just enjoyed uh, beating the shit out of other radio shows. But that day I tapped out. I'm like, I can't do this one. And they're all like, what do you mean? You love this. And it turned out, long story short, that um, the show we were Jocktobering, um, I started in radio with the guy at uh, Geneseo, and we were friends. We actually roomed, we were roommates for like, I don't know, not long, like a summer, I think. Was it the summer? I don't remember, because I stayed up at, I stayed, uh, up at Geneseo. But uh, I really liked this guy. We started in radio together, and one summer we both stayed in Geneseo and ran the radio station, which was... Uh, very helpful as I was starting my radio career. So I'm like, I can't do it to this guy. I, I, I go literally back to when I was 18, 19 years old with this guy. And we lost touch. But then I reached out and I apologized. And uh, I even said, look, your show's not even that bad. But how this works is we could take any. This was the beauty of Jocktober. You could take any, any radio show. Dare I mention his name, but, but I'm going to use this example because people think he's like uh, unstoppable. Well, I, we, we could have even taken audio from, let's say, uh, Ron and Fez. And we could have found something that didn't work that we could have exploited. And that was the beauty of, of Jocktober. So with uh, this show and my old friend Jim and I went back and forth. I'm like, you guys aren't even that bad. I'm trying to explain it all this. He, uh, he had a good sense of humor, but then he was also like, you know, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and it wasn't even me, because I think he truly believes that I picked the show. But that day, I did not pick the show. There were some days I did pick the show. But on that one, um, it was a surprise to me, and, and it came out of left field, that's for sure. I guess I would have to put that, the, the whole CD thing... Uh, in the top five bits we did uh, up in Boston. I think that would be the fifth one that we were able to put out a CD called Demented World. And it charted nationally, even though we were a local Boston show. We were doing CD signings all over the area. Uh, the famous one uh, was in Springfield, Massachusetts, where we literally signed and took uh, pictures for I at least eight hours. It was the the line never ended. It was unbelievable. So I think I would have to, even though that wasn't an outrageous bit, but the whole Demented World CD being able to release that, I would put in the top five things we did up there in uh, in Boston. And it's a damn shame, but it goes with like the theme of what I talk about a lot. It's a damn shame we never put out another CD. Those CDs, uh, especially back in the day, they, I mean, the Demented World sold forever. I mean, now it's finally completely dead and it's very, very hard to find. But I, the, the amount of money that they could have made off us putting out another CD, it would have been, honestly, when we came to New York and we became even much bigger than we were in Boston, a second CD, that thing, that thing, I, I could honestly say, would have paid our salaries the cut that the, the radio company would have taken. So they would have basically had us on their airwaves uh, for free because that thing would have brought in millions of dollars. And they just couldn't see this shit. And we came close. 
And then the, I, I told the whole story recently, but then the lawyers got involved. They're like, you know, before you put this out, we want to take a look at it. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. No, no, you know, we might have just a couple little suggestions. They came back with their notes and they sliced this thing in half. I mean, you can't, you can't put that bit out. You can't do that. You can't. I mean, the list was endless. And I'm like, why not? All this stuff is already on the radio. And uh, I mean, to their credit, they're like, yeah, well, that's the problem. You know, uh, we got away with it the first time, but you put it out on a CD, then the FCC is going to go, wait, was all this stuff on the radio? And I go, well, at that point, because no one's honest in this stupid business, at that point, you go, no, the beauty of this CD is uh, a bunch of these bits never made it to the radio. That's how you get around that crap. So this was like, um, I don't know, like 2000. And we just had to throw the CD in a goddamn drawer and it never made it out there. And that also put an end to putting out CDs. Ah, I mean, the, the fact is we should have been putting out a CD every year until obviously CDs uh, were, you know, not valuable anymore. And then we should have just put them out in another way, digitally, whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a damn shame. The amount of bits, short form bits that were perfect for a CD, it would have been unbelievable. There would have been a collection of like, like a dozen of these damn things. That would have been amazing. Opie was uh, stuck between the suits and Ant's crazy rants. Well, that, I mean, that was later on. I always fought it out with the suits. Always. Always. And not so much, to be honest. I remember where I was when I first heard you on WNEW. That run was just absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. And for the first uh, at least six months, we were not moving the needle. And I'm telling you, the conversation went like this. Me and Anthony were uh, commuting together all the way to Huntington, Long Island. We actually lived very close to each other in Huntington, Long Island. And we would take turns driving in. And one day, after about six months, you got to remember, we, we couldn't do anything wrong in Boston. But obviously in New York, there was so much more competition. Not that there was a lot of competition in afternoons. It was kind of a joke, to be honest with you. Uh, who the hell was the big show? I forgot their names on PLJ. Uh, with Blaine, I think. Oh, Rocky and Blaine. I think they were our only competition. And then Sean Hannity was doing his thing. And I guess uh, Mike and the Mad Dog. These were the guys we were kind of going up against. And uh, Opie and a sidekick bringing back Jocktober would make bank and infuriate Anthony. I'm not trying to uh, purposely infuriate Anthony. I'm just uh, trying to defend myself against some of the bullshit that's out there. I don't wake up in the morning even thinking about the guy. I only, <clears throat> he only comes into my head when I do these live streams. And then I will turn this off and I won't even think about that shit for at least, what, 23 hours. We were, we were on WNEW for six months and the, and the radio station was, I mean, in the toilet. It was all these old DJs that were pretty successful in their day, but their time passed them by. I'm kind of feeling that same thing they felt all those years ago. It happens to everybody. So after six months, we're not moving the needle. 
And we came from Boston where we were like number one, just killing like uh, CD signings that lasted all day. We could barely go anywhere. I mean, everyone followed us around. It was, it was pretty awesome getting recognized everywhere. And then New York, we were just blending in with everybody else. Opie, you need a theme song. All right. I got a couple theme songs on my uh, Opie Radio podcast, actually. Um, I'm distracted by comments today. I don't know why. I, I'm trying because I like to try to get everybody on the big screen. It, it's it's people like being on the big screen. Um, so we're driving home. We're in horrendous Long Island, uh, uh, Long Island Expressway traffic, and I'm looking at it like, what the fuck, man? We're we're giving um we're giving them everything, and nothing is really sticking. And then. I said to Anthony, I think the problem is that we're not talking enough because they were forcing us to play a lot of records, a lot of music. And the problem was, this will be a little inside, but some people will appreciate this. They didn't want WNEW playing music that K-Rock would be playing. So that was the younger rock. And then um, the stuff, I think it was CBS FM was playing. So they were trying to find like a niche for WNEW. So it was all these bands that weren't huge they were sort of popular but not really think like third eyed blind where you could you know they had one good song but you needed to fill time so they were trying to find more songs from like third eyed blind and bands like that and we're like fuck man we we should be playing metallica you know that's the obvious thing but but howard put a put a stop to that um just to back up a second when we got fired in boston we had two opportunities in New York City. One was with K-Rock and one was with WNEW. This was unheard of to have two huge radio stations wanting you. And then I remember to this day, uh, uh, the agent calls me. He's like, all right, they want you to pick. We met with both uh, companies, both radio stations. We met with Tom Chiasano. We met with Scott Herman. And we're like, all right. Uh, and, and Bob Eatman goes, uh, you guys need a pick between the two stations. They both want you really badly. I'm like, oh, all right. Uh, and the funny thing is they were trying to get us out of the Boston market because we were killing their properties up there. This is how this shit works in radio. They, they grab the people that are killing your radio stations in, in, in uh, a particular city and they move you to a city that needs help. And uh, we were those guys. So uh, me and Anthony had like a one-minute conversation about it because it was obvious. We're like, well, we got to go to K-Rock. They're playing the exact same music we were playing up at WAAF, the only station that really rocks. So let's go to K-Rock. So uh, we call Bob. Bob, we made our decision. We want to go to K-Rock. He goes, that's a great decision. Um, I'll, let the, I'll let the company know. And, uh, and he did. And then all of a sudden he calls us back like uh, an hour later and he says, he goes, yeah, uh, you can't go to K-Rock. You got to go to WNEW. And I'm like, wait, but you, but you told us to choose. We chose. We chose. And uh, the story goes, it was told to me that there was a little baby on the air, a little baby named Howard Stern. That did not want us on his radio station. He demanded that we don't go on his radio station. Because I guess they had, a, they had to run everything by Howard. Because it was his... Look, it was his station. He, he, I mean, look, you can't deny what he did for K-Rock in New York City. So they had every intention of uh, 
putting us on K-Rock, but they had to run it by the the big guy, and he demanded that we're not on the same radio station as him. I'm like, oh, my God. So we, we went to the WNEW, which was just a shithole with old old jocks, and uh, their time had, had passed, and then they were just allowing them to play this music that was in between their other two radio stations, and we were trying to move the needle. We're throwing everything at our audience, and uh, the old jocks did not like that. They would... They would put up hate faxes. That's why this hate to this day is like, dude, I, I've been in the hate world my entire career. I was at a radio station. We were brand new. And the old time listeners hated us. So they would they would uh, send in faxes basically saying, get Opie and Anthony off the goddamn air. They stink. It's pretty much everything I, I hear to this day. And the, uh, the radio DJs would hang up the, the faxes in the studio before we start our show. This was what we were up against. So uh, back to the Long Island Expressway. We're driving home. The traffic sucks. It's been six months. The ratings are coming out uh, once a month, and, and it's like it's flat. We're down a little. And they really, really needed us to, to move the needle, or they were going to move on to something else. And then you hear the whispering in the hall, like, ah, you know, maybe they're not as, as good as we thought they were. Maybe, uh, maybe Boston was a fluke. You know, you started hearing this in general. So uh, that day um, on the Long Island Expressway with Anthony, I'm like, dude, we just got to fucking start talking and blow off all the music. You know this music sucks. We know how to talk. Because at this point, at, our, at the end of our Boston run, we were barely uh, playing records, which was unbelievable, too, because people really tuned into WAF for, for all that uh, alternative hard rock music. So the next day, we went in, and we just started blowing off records. And uh, to Gary Wall's credit, our first PD, he's like, fuck yeah, man, do that. And he allowed us to just you know just drop all the, all the, all the music. And I say allow because we had no... We had no credibility yet. We had, you know, we had, we had nothing that we could insist on doing um, uh, uh, things yet. We just had to listen to the bosses, unfortunately. And then wouldn't you know, like the next month we're going, uh, we're driving home on the Long Island Expressway. And all of a sudden the ratings, that day we, we saw that the ratings went, deep, went up just a little bit. And then it went, deep, 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 and then it went through the fucking roof. And the rest is history. This episode sponsored by HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash OP65 and use code OP65 for 65% off plus free shipping. What is HelloFresh? Are you kidding me? With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Oh, in the last box I got, I made a uh, panko crumb-crusted buffalo chicken breast thing. (laughs) It was absolutely amazing. And then I made couscous. I don't know how to make couscous, but with HelloFresh, I'm learning... All sorts of things because their recipes are so easy to follow on recipe cards. And then they got all the pre-portioned ingredients set and ready to go for you. 
You know what I also learned uh, with the latest box? Frank's, right? Hot sauce. Best hot sauce in the world. I had no idea that it comes in a spice form. Oh my God. It was delicious. Couple other things. HelloFresh, 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too. Have your pumpkin spice and eat it too with a rotating selection of fall-inspired items from HelloFresh Market. From brunch kits to a fall dessert board, you'll find everything you need for all your favorite autumn occasions like tailgating, Oktoberfest, and more. I love cooking, but I don't love being in the kitchen all day long with HelloFresh. You can pretty much get these uh, recipes done in like 20 minutes. I like that. I like saving money. I like how convenient it is. I like that it's not taking a lot of time. And more importantly, I love how delicious all the meals are. I simply love, love, love these guys. They started out as a sponsor, and now I'm just a customer. Uh, I want you to check it out. Go to HelloFresh.com slash OP65. If you've been with me a little while, the promo code changed a little bit. So once again, HelloFresh.com slash OP65. Use the promo code OP65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Go to HelloFresh.com slash OP65. Use the code OP65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Tom May. Opie Radio says all the things I wish I could say to my haters. I mean, what are you going to do? The whole world is filled with haters. I, I think it's the easiest thing to do in the world. There's nothing impressive about it. People think that... I, I, I don't know what they think, but I'll, I'll say this much. There's nothing impressive about it. It's a little different when it comes from somebody maybe that you're trying to compete with or whatever, but some somebody that was never really brave enough to even attempt anything in their lives is trying to beat the shit out of you. There's not... There's nothing impressive about that. And we all, we all have that no matter what we do with our lives. Can you hit a knuckleball? <laughs> God, no. I pride myself in, in being, especially back in the day, a decent athlete. Uh, my number one sport was basketball. Even though I was a better runner and um, the track coaches were all trying to get me to quit basketball. Uh, to run full time, but I found running very, very boring, and uh, it was, you know, it was way more of a challenge to play basketball because I didn't really have the height. Um, what am I trying to say? Oh, um, what else was I good at? I was good at all all sports, but baseball. I was very good in the field, um, but I was scared shitless when I would have to come to bat. And the ump was always trying to push me into the batter's box. There was something about it. I, I was golf is fucking boring. I love golf. That's another. That's another one of my. Uh, I guess it's a sport. Patrice would have argued against that. That it really wasn't a sport. But uh, I was. I was pretty decent at golf too. Not not as good as my brother, but I was pretty. I was all right. But when it came to baseball, I was. I was very decent in the field. But when it came to batting, I sucked. I was scared shitless of the pitch coming in. And I'm talking, I was 12. I think I tapped out by 12 or 13. So they weren't even really throwing it that fast yet. And it still, it still scared the shit out of me. So to answer your question, no, I can't hit a knuckleball. 
God, no. I was slapping singles, if you need to know the truth, barely. From way out, I was almost out of the batter's box, just, just leaning my bat in and kind of getting them the bat on the ball. I was lame, so I tapped out of baseball. And, which is weird because basketball is a, a, is a much tougher sport. The amount of uh, bones I broke playing basketball, pretty much my hands are all f- sorts of fucked up. I don't have arthritis, thank God, but I, uh, between my, my 10 fingers I broke... I lost track at this point, but I jammed every single finger, which was a nightmare. And I broke at least half of them. It, at least. At least. It, it got so bad that we would just set the fingers at home with stupid popsicle sticks. And then I, um, I broke my left hand playing basketball. I broke my left ankle playing basketball. Uh, the worst injury ever, though, was um, I was up in Rochester playing a playing some pickup games with, by the way, this is a true story for the Boston people, JoJo White. I played a lot of basketball with JoJo White. There was a bunch of us that really were still into basketball, and he was one of these guys. He was living in Rochester, and we played with him uh, more times than not in pickup games. It was absolutely awesome. I took an elbow right to the fucking sternum. And I cracked my sternum. That was probably the worst injury I had, certainly playing basketball. And um, for the next, I want to say close to a month, every breath fucking hurt. And there was nothing they could do. I just cracked it. You can't set a sternum. It wasn't bad enough to have surgery or anything like that. But I took an elbow so hard right to the center of the chest and I cracked my sternum. Holy fuck did that hurt. And then you prayed that you didn't have to sneeze. Uh, yeah, I almost broke my neck, but that was a little boogie boarding. I don't think that's a sport. And I broke my nose. I broke a lot of bones. I'm happy my nose is relatively straight because it hit the side view mirror in a car crash with Brother Wee's up there in Rochester right after I signed a multi-million dollar deal to do radio. Fact is, signed the contract, flew to Rochester, and within uh, an hour of landing in Rochester, I was in a horrific car accident with Brother Weeze, his uh, wife, and my girlfriend at the time. And me and Weeze got out of the car. We saved ourselves. <laughs> and our girls were, were stuck in the car with the airbags <laughs> and, and powder all over the place. And then it came out years later, like, yeah, I guess I didn't really care too much about her because I, I saved myself. <laughs> but, but that day I, uh, I broke my nose really bad. And um, I, think, I think that's the reason why I have so many lower back problems to this day. I think I had a compromised lower back and uh, lower discs herniated. And I think with that car accident getting T-boned, I think that was the day that uh, really, really made that way more problematic in my lower back. I really do believe that. But uh, I, my nose, my nose to this day moves up and down. It's not really attached because Brother Weeds famously, we had a we had a boat trip. We were taking his boat. Uh, these were the days when Weez had a lot of uh, really nice luxur- luxury boats, excuse me, where it, it slept like eight to ten people. We would take the boat from Rochester all the way across Lake, which one is it over there? Lake Ontario to Canada, 
listening to the Almond Brothers and the Grateful Dead and all this other hippie music that we loved. He had a whole bunch of music that he would pick from. We would be drinking wine. It would be a sunny day like today with uh, just amazing blue skies. And the boat would be going really slow because we were in no hurry. We were just enjoying um, the boat ride uh, across uh, the Great Lake. And then we would dock in these little towns on the other side and have dinner and hang out with the people. You would go up and down and just like party with uh, all the other boaters. It was just absolutely fucking amazing to do. Uh, But anyway, the car accident. So I fly into Rochester because we're going to do one of these uh, boat trips. And we went to Wegmans. And uh, then we were going to get some lunch. So all our groceries were in the back of his truck. It was kind of like one of those uh, souped up um, pickup trucks, you know, where it fits four people. You know the deal. Then we were taking a left into into a parking lot to have dinner. Or, uh, excuse me, lunch before we uh, start our boat trip. And everyone waved us on like, go ahead, we're waiting for the light anyway. And they made a little, you know, opening for us. And we waves all nice, like, thank you. Not knowing there was a third lane, a turning lane. And this guy was going like 45, 50 miles an hour and hit right where I was sitting. Pushing the whole truck into um, into a light pole sideways. Blew out all the tires. Uh, all the uh, airbags go off. There's fucking powder all over the goddamn place, and we crawl out of the wreckage. Me and Weez, we left our <laughs> we left our ladies in the car. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> and then, um, and then everyone came running because they all saw this crazy accident. And then there was this lady. She was like a crackhead. She walked right up to me. She stared at my face. My nose was already twice as big. It swelled up up immediately. I I already had black eyes. And (laughs) she looks at me and she goes, you don't look that bad. And she's a a crackhead telling me uh, you don't look that bad. And then Weez comes over and he's like, brah, you don't look that bad. I think we could still do the boat trip. And I'm like, are you sure? I'm in shock. I'm like, can you give me a moment? Can I at least look at my face, see what it looks like? So we go into the restaurant. They get a table. I go into the bathroom. My nose. I, I always say it was twice the size, but I think it was way more than twice the size. This thing looked like I was a, like a, a veteran hockey player. My nose was so fucked up, and I had black eyes already, and possibly a concussion from everything that just happened. And I'm just like, I come out. I'm shaking still. He goes, bro, I'm telling you, you don't look that bad. I don't give a fuck about Rich Voss and Bonnie. They're just, they're just users. None of this shit fucking uh, keeps me up at night. So I go to Weeds. You know what? I'm with you. Give me a shot, though. So we did a shot of something. I forgot what it was. And then uh, we had a little lunch, lovely lunch. And then we did our trip across uh, the Great Lake of Ontario to a little town in Canada hanging out at the marina with everybody else, having the time of our lives. And by the time I flew back to New York, which was, I don't know, close to a week later, because we, we stayed up there for a bit, I was like, ah, I'm good. The swelling was starting to come down. The nose didn't look too crooked. I actually kind of moved it around myself. And to this day, it moves up and down on its own. It's not connected to anything. That is a true story. Cheers. Cheers.
No police or ambulance. Uh, oh, no, everybody came, Johnny Hill. Everyone came. I, I forgot to tell this side of the story. So Weez is so connected up there, right? His car was uh, pretty much, I, I would say, close to totaled. I mean, all the tires were gone. He needed all new tires. The, the, where the car hit on my side was really fucked up. And then it pushed it into a, into a, um, a, a pole. So that damaged the other side of the car. I forgot to tell you this part. I'm like, but we, how, we, can't, we can't drive to your boat. He made one fucking phone call to one of his boys up there. They brought him another car. They came and they said, we'll take care of the rest. After the police did their quick report. Uh, no, there was no ambulance. I don't think there was an ambulance because you know, I was, I was uh, wandering around. I, I would assume an ambulance did show up, but I didn't need it or anything like that. And then um, after we did the basics... You know, his friend pulls up with a brand new car and we jumped in that car and we went on our boat trip. And, and uh, Weez's friend stayed behind to, to kind of mop up the rest of the crap that was involved. Boo 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 boo. Boo 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 